There's just one week left to cast your vote for the Stats and Stories 300th episode data visualization contest. Be sure to check out and interact with all the finalists at statsandstories.net slash voting. Well, last month, I was lucky to be able to attend the 64th World Statistics Congress hosted by the International Statistical Institute in Ottawa, Canada. While I was there, I was able to talk to a number of amazing statisticians and data scientists for the show, including this week's guest, Natalie Shlomo. Shlomo is professor of social statistics at the University of Manchester and publishes widely in the area of survey statistics, including small area estimation, adaptive survey designs, non-probability sampling, confidentiality and privacy, data linkage, and integration. She is an elected member of the International Statistical Institute, ISI, a fellow of the Royal Statistical Society, a fellow of the Academy of Social Sciences, and president, 2023 to 2025, of the International Association of Survey Statisticians. She also serves on national and international methodology advisory boards at the National Statistical Institutes. So, present John turns it over to past john take it away and once again don't forget to vote in our 300th episode contest at statsandstories.net slash voting well I'm, I'm here at the world statistics congress and i'm having the opportunity to talk to friends from around the globe uh, today i'm delighted to, to have a chance to chat with natalie shlomo she's a professor of social statistics at the university of manchester natalie welcome and i'm delighted to do it this podcast stats and stories oh this is you know we could not be more excited so mm. natalie you and i have known each other for quite a while and you've been a leader in the world of survey statistics one of the things that i think maybe people don't appreciate is why is why is survey statistics such an important activity in our society well survey statistics originated back in the 50s and sort of grew from the national statistical institutes you know, and the idea is to learn about the population, finite populations, right? So we're not in the world of theoretical statistics. It's all about finite populations, inference on parameters in the population. And the idea is to draw a random survey to, you know, make inference about the populations, the target populations that we're interested in. And it sort of evolved in the 50s. It got more uh, sophisticated with uh, different ways of drawing samples. You know, I think it was a seminal paper of Naaman back in the 50s who said we should stratify our samples, you know, not just draw random samples, simple random samples, but use stratified sampling. We gain efficiencies that way. The National Statistical Institutes were also concerned about budgets and costs. So we went into cluster sampling and the implications on there and how we lose efficiency, but how we might gain it through various ways of estimation and post-stratification. So it really has evolved in, in over the last uh, 50 years. And I just wanted to say that I am now the incoming president of the International Association of Survey Statisticians. So we are celebrating our 50-year anniversary of the association. So it's all very exciting. Well, well happy birthday, IASS. <laughs> and, and you're mentioning this idea that may be new to a lot of people that are listening, the idea that there are designs for how people take a representative subset of the population. I, I, I think it blows people's minds to think that you can take thousands of observations in a sample to represent millions in a population with some and precision. Properly and 
under a probability scheme? So, so, so tell us, okay, so there you go, probability sample. So, mm -hmm. so can you give just like a quick intro to what a probability sample is? So probability sample would generally mean that you have a list, a frame. Now, in National Statistical Institutes, we often don't have a list of people, but we'll have a list of addresses. But the point is, in a probability sample, that every single individual or whatever enterprise or whatever you're investigating has a chance of being selected. So that's the, that's the crucial and thing. And it's known. You know that probability. Yes, well, you design so, it, yeah. yeah. So if I want to, if I have a thousand in my sample, in my population, and I want a sample of a hundred, yes, I would know that I, if it's a simple random sample, I'm going to take one out of ten. Yes. So yeah. that's the designs. And then people talk about the weights. So essentially, every observation that's in your sample represents some number of individuals in the population, effectively. Exactly. And I wanted to sort of point out the, the seminal paper by Horowitz and then Thompson, Horowitz Thompson estimated, which basically came up with that point that you make exactly, that we should every individual should be weighted by their inverse inclusion probability. So in my example, every person would have a weight of 10 because they represent 10 people in the population. And that was a quite a seminal piece of work in the 60s, you know, using that inclusion because our samples have become far more complicated and they might have different inclusion probabilities, usually not in the case of a simple random sample. So, you know, we would weight accordingly and that was a very, you know, seminal piece of work and how we derive estimators for population parameters like averages or totals by weighting with the inverse of the inclusion. So, so now that we're, we're talking about this 50th anniversary mm -hmm. of IASS, so can you, could you give a, a couple of examples of kind of of all stars of sample surveys, you know, sort of what are some some of the ones that that really kind of were were defining in terms of their impact on well, society? Our work a lot is with the National Statistical Institutes. So the big surveys um, that govern every country, the labor force survey, the family expenditure, you know, budget survey, health surveys. I mean, governments are. That's how they, you know, inform policies is by uh, going through their statistical agency and drawing samples and to try to learn properties of the population and where to invest resources. And uh, so that, you know, my space is sort of that official statistics. And so those are the examples I can give you. But a lot of the academic world, they're involved in more sophisticated so things like the aging longitudinal, I should mention longitudinal surveys is where we repeat observations over time and so in the academic world you'll find things like you know, survey of aging uh, populations, longitudinal survey, household longitudinal surveys and that, that's kind of more in the um, academic maybe sphere. So what, what's an example of, one, of a recent survey that you've worked on? Well that my most recent survey was not a great example of a probability-based <laughs> survey because it was a non-probability oh, well, survey. <laughs> so so let, get, let's take one from a probability example and then we'll come back to how surveys have changed over time. Exactly. So one of the crucial problems now in survey statistics is uh, dropping response rates. Uh -huh. And response rates have been dropping so much that we're really into the space of almost non-probability. So we have control of the design. Uh -huh. I know how you're sampled, but I have no control of whether you respond or not. Well, I do indirectly. I have good you know, target data collections. We're in the space also of mixed mode surveys. So uh, trying to save costs, so maybe we'll start with an internet questionnaire and then we'll move to a phone questionnaire and then face-to-face -face if I can't reach you. So there's a lot of attempts to try and deal with this issue of dropping response rates, but sadly they are dropping. 
And we're almost, almost reaching this point of, is it actually a probability-based survey? Because we, you know, you have no control of this. Yeah, when I, was, when I was in graduate school, I remember in a survey sampling class, we were doing a, a survey for the local hospital, and we were using random digit dialing. And it was at a time when, you know, you knew that in a certain area code in the United States, that that pretty much was the catchment area for that hospital. And you could, ex you know, the fact that if you excluded someone, it was because they were a business or something like that. And, and now That's I think... That's a different case. That's, those are zero cases. Right, right, so they right. Shouldn't That's, they shouldn't be there. Yeah. But, but now I was thinking, you know, I, I, in talking to... to to any group of people, I'd say, okay, where, where are your phones, where are they registered? What's your area code? <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, yeah, there's nothing, now with nothing the mobile that's connected. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just imagine so that's something that was a go-to. moving now to the yeah. web surveys okay. more, not so much these random digit dialing. I don't know. All right, um, right, right. So that, well, that's sort of, you know, it's, that's the old school. I'm talking, you know, so. <laughs> So, so, so you said early on there was a lot of development in terms of these probability samples, and that was at a time when people were pretty willing to respond if selected. If I said, Natalie, I've selected you for my survey, you'd go, oh, great. Yeah, well, especially that. for the government service. I'm not talking about marketing right. or polling, right? We're not there. Right, so you're talking about these. So, at, so, you, so early in the practice, this was something that people were pretty likely to respond to, and as time has gone on, it's like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> so so what, what's going on now? What's, what are sort of the latest and greatest in sampling ideas? Well, well, so as I said, there's been a lot of attempts um, through mixed mode data collection. There's, uh, and actually we have a, the keynote speaker, the, you know, Steve Penix, the president of ISI speaker is Bob Groves, yeah. who is a famous survey methodologist as well. And uh, he developed something called adaptive survey design. So trying, now we're getting methodology involved in data collection. Let's try and optimum strategies. Where should we put our resources? You know, let's try and uh, think of some quality indicators that we can optimize. Uh, you know, who should we go out and look for? So uh, lots of attempts to try and deal with dropping response rates, but at the end of the day, they are dropping. And so now it's very interesting you ask because what is happening in this world of survey statistics is a lot more work now in inference from non-probability samples. Uh, so that's where we're coming. So from. you have to do some adjustments. There has to be some modification yeah. of what the information that you're getting from those who respond. So what happens in non-probability samples, and a good example are web surveys, they're opt-in. So they're, they're selection bias. And the idea is if it's designed properly and well, even a non-probability survey can be designed quite well. And the idea is that you can use uh, probability-based surveys to try and adjust for the selection bias through propensity scores and inverse propensity scores and things. And post-stratification, there's always that need for calibrating to known population totals that helps. Yeah, so, so let me just, uh, so, so this idea of calibrating is saying, I'm looking at the distribution of some trait in a sample and I'm looking at the distribution of the trait in the population. population. And if there's a real disconnect between that Mm -hmm. Are there ways to tune the yes, information? Yes, So to, there are ways of yeah. estimating. We call it model-assisted estimation. So okay. it's basically a generalized regression estimator, but we use the auxiliary information that we know from the population to sort of weight and benchmark the survey weights so that they add up to known population totals. And you're hoping that the auxiliary variables are somehow correlated to your survey variable, your target variable, so that <laughs> you can actually say something about reducing non-response bias. So, so let me ask you to put on your, your president of the International Association for Survey Statistics hat 
and talk about what do you see, see happening in the next couple of years in survey statistics? Well, certainly in the realm of non-probability samples, because even a probability sample, when you're getting down to 50, 40 percent response rates, you can call it a non-probability sample. And I think that there's always going to be a need for probability surveys, but I think that the function of these probability surveys is uh, sort of to correct selection bias for alternative sources of data, not just non-probability samples. Huge move now in integrating data sources, say from administrative data, mm -hmm. um, new forms of data, even big data has now come into the realm of uh, survey statistics and using that as auxiliary information to try and boost our our samples. So definitely the, you know, the idea of non-probability samples, and we have wonderful survey statisticians that are working in this space and, and you know, thinking about inference on a non-probability sample and integrating data. So that's really an up-and-coming topic. And so the survey that I worked on, as you asked, was at the University of Manchester, we have a center of dynamics of ethnicity, very prominent center for the study of ethnic inequalities. And they invited me, which is unusual, you know, sociologists came to me and said, can you help us with this uh, often web survey? And we were investigating ethnic inequalities in COVID experiences. Oh, so we okay. designed a non-probability web survey okay. And the idea is that they have a lot of connections, so they partnered with all these umbrella organizations, you know, the Muslim and the Jewish, you know, all these organizations who helped us recruit. Oh. And then we, you know, through this recruitment drives and these umbrella organizations, we were able to, but it's still a non-probability sample. So the, the challenge, of course, was when you're doing this from the design, so you're able to develop the questionnaire in such a way that this non-probability sample can actually talk, you know, reference back yes, to a probability, yes. because you can design the questions from scratch. And so we used a combination of the social survey and the labor force survey to use as a reference sample. So, you know, think of it, you just sort of stack the two surveys together and you estimate a propensity score using logistic regression and various ways of that, and also benchmarking, of course, calibration. And that's how we adjusted for the selection bias. So it, it, we just published a book, um, a big, oh, yeah, it was a very, very prominent survey. And the most interesting thing about it was it was funded by the um, UK Research and Econo right. Economic and Research Council. And I think that's the first time that a large-scale non-probability sample was actually funded by the Research Council. Oh, wow. So it made a lot of impact. And my challenge now, I mean, the weights, okay, I did the weights, but now the challenge, of course, is how do we do confidence intervals? So we're looking so at the, bootstrap, the uncertainty uh, that's yeah, bootstrapping that, approaches yeah, yeah. for a non-probability sample. This is all, you know, new, new, new ideas. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to picture now someone thinking, wow, when I read a newspaper and I see that a government percentage of the population that, that has X, Y, Z characteristic and this margin of error or this interval estimate, there's a, there's a lot of work from ranging from forming the survey in the first place in a way that kind of collects information in a sensible, reliable, valid way, yeah. to then all the, the work to even say how we want to try to select the information to ultimately, given this information, how do we, what can we do to, to try to calibrate it to the population? That's right. 
That's all, all, all the survey statistics is all about. <laughs> I mean, there's other spaces. I mean, a uh, huge amount of our members work on something called small area estimation. Oh. So you know that in surveys, they're typically designed for national levels yeah, or maybe yeah. large geographics. But how do you get to a small area domain where you maybe have one unit sampled or maybe no unit sampled? So a huge amount of resources has been going to something we call small area estimation. Uh, where we actually use model-based uh, oh. methods for estimation. So we, we take our direct estimate, if there's one, um, probably have to smooth out the variance a bit for, <laughs> for one, one or two uh, units, but then we combine it, sort of a composite estimate okay. with a synthetic estimate, you know, with, okay. from a regression model, and in sort of in an optimal way, we combine the two, sort of a James Stein uh, okay. estimator approach. So that's small area estimation, another huge amount of work in that area, and now looking at things like using big data as auxiliary variables, or yeah. so. Well, bringing in all the supplemental information from other sources, so to improve what you've learned from a, a sample that you've selected from a population, mm -hmm. it, it's just it's it, to do that right is a mm -hmm. is such an important task, and and the work that that you and your colleagues do in survey statistics helps governments make better decisions for the the people they serve. Yes, yes, um, you know you and. My space, again, is official statistics, but uh, so, you know, there was a little bit of a mix with the International Association of Survey Statistics and official statistics. Oh, yes, Sometimes course. people are in both, uh, both realms, so uh, it's uh, challenging <laughs> to find that. But yeah, we are definitely uh, can identify ourselves as the statisticians, as the methodologists, as you know, how to make our surveys better. Oh, well, this is this has just been a delight, Natalie. I, it's so fun to, to, to be able to see you in person yes. and, and to, to be able to talk to you about the, the important work that you and your colleagues do. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, Very it was, happy it was to be great here. fun. <laughs> That's in Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media Journalism and Film and the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on our program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.